From Treaties 6, 7, and 8 lands, I'm Iman Bukhari. And I'm Irfan Chaudhry, and you're tuning in to the Common Ground Podcast. Listening to all the stories and comments shared by the people we interviewed really highlights the challenges we face regarding narratives of hate in Alberta. So, is there any hope of finding common ground in the face of increasing political and social polarization? From what our guests on the podcast tell us, this might be possible, but not without some obstacles. For Omar, the key issue really stems from some of the online interactions. One of the reasons it's easy to dismiss some of the online stuff is because of how insane it is. Like, you know, some of the Yellow Vest groups you'll see talk about uh, Trudeau being a Muslim. Uh, there's this idea that Trudeau is Fidel Castro's son. And then when you get into the QAnon stuff, you know, it just it gets insane. And that's one of the reasons why sometimes it's hard to take seriously. I think everyone has a role to play, you know. Yeah. You know, individuals, citizens, politicians, the media. The media is a big one, you know, because they're often the ones who perpetuate some of these stereotypes. Um, but in terms of finding common ground, I, I think the, the most likely place we're going to find that is where we are right now, sitting together and talking. Because, you know, the... The online sphere, it's, it's anonymous, it's faceless. It, it gives people that opportunity to say things that they never say in person. And so I don't think the on- online sphere is the answer. I think it, it, it's going to require more talking, more meeting in person. One of the really thing, interesting things is that I had, I had spent a lot of time talking to the wolves of Odin and sort of debating them about things and talking about the Quran and scripture. And, and one thing that really came out of that for me was that I don't think this guy has ever actually had a real conversation with a Muslim, you know? Like, it's almost like they're the, like Muslims are these, like, mythical creatures in their minds, you know? And, and, and so they frame this narrative in their head about what a Muslim is and what a Muslim believes. But then when you actually talk to them, they, they you know, are like, oh, well, you know, that's actually kind of reasonable. And, no, that's not that different from Christianity. So it's, it's, I think it's about human interaction and just remembering that we are all humans. Sometimes it's hard online. While for Jason, he doesn't think it's possible to find any common ground. I'll be honest, there's, there can be no common ground with fascists because the only common ground you share is that you're on the same battlefield. And you can think of it like this. If you're on a chessboard and you have white against black on a chessboard, the only common ground is that you're sharing the chessboard. But one opponent has to eliminate the other. And the difficulty is, if we just put this in historical aspect, one could not speak of a common ground between the, neo-Nazi, the Nazi regime in Germany and the Jewish population. The absurdity of it comes out right there. The question is, can we reach people who before they get there, right? I mean, I can't find any common discourse. Okay, to have common discourse with anybody, so I'm a Marxist. But I could talk to people of different political persuasions if we share some, some uh, basic common points, like we have a commitment to freedom of speech, we have a commitment to democracy, we have a commitment to intellectual debate. But when you're dealing with groups who engage in violence, and the goal is violence, what can we do with that? So the question is, can we reach the people before they get there? Can we stop that from happening? And that's why the difficulty is we have an education system that doesn't address that in any way. It does not address. We're not talking about white supremacy. We're not talking about colonial roots. And, and most of the times, any of these racist organizations have been active in this city. Where do you think they're organizing? They try to aim for schools. They're trying to aim for aggrieved white people. So there's a level of organizing that has to be done here before people take that fascist route. Um, I, I can say this, I don't advocate violence. 
And, you know, I would echo the words of Malcolm X where he says, I don't, and then I'm repeating his words, I don't advocate violence, I advocate self-defense. I don't even call self-defense violence. It's a matter of your right and your responsibility to defend yourself from attacks. I have faced an attempt on my life. I would never try to debate with these people. But as for somebody who has yet to take that route, I would be opening to listen what the problems are and try to reason with them, try to educate them. Michelle believes we need to look at the truth and reconciliation calls to action to find solutions. And really, we all have a role to play in changing our policies. Now, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action actually talk about education for new immigrants and uh, and refugees. And I think that should be a priority. And again, that's a structural change that has to be implemented by people in positions of power. And unfortunately, because so many people are so privileged, they don't even vote, let alone be engaged with um, politics in general. They don't understand that they are their lack of interest is responsible for poor policy and um if we're if we're truly going to honor the um stories of survivors of violence through the indigenous population whether it was told through the uh, national inquiry whether it's told through the truth and reconciliation commission whether it was told through the royal commission on aboriginal people or the numerous other reports that are out there on violence against women violence against indigenous colonialism prison reform child reform those stories are out there and if we're going to truly honor them these are really simple policy procedures that we can get done to help our uh, refugees and new immigrants, new Canadians understand. And then, of course, education for the Canadian population in general. Um, Back to the refugee, like I want inclusion, community safety. That's all I want for Indigenous people. And we don't have that right now. We're not really included in community. We're not safe. And that needs to change, right? And policy changes. There's so many recommendations out there and numerous reports of how to do that. We just need Canadians to realize they have a role in holding uh, their politicians to account and they can create policy changes. And they may not be interested in politics, but if they're interested in cricket, if they're interested in hockey, we can implement um, changes in those fields as well. It has to be at every level. Anti-racism training isn't something that just benefits Indigenous people. It helps um, non-people of color feel safer, number one, but it helps create community and inclusion for people of color. And this is bigger than just Indigenous, yet Canadians are really hesitant to to have that uh, bigger picture. And, you know, unfortunately, it's the neo-Nazis that end up becoming, you know, in positions of power. Uh, And we've seen that in many of the different uh, agencies of government and even some of the politicians that I have seen have links to these neo-Nazi groups. And that should be completely unacceptable. There should be absolutely no links to neo-Nazis. You know, I can understand if you are a former neo-Nazi and you're working to, you know, um, educate others, that's a little different. But for the average Canadian, they don't understand that their ignorance is rooted in white supremacy and that there's a reason for that. And it's the people in power that continue that white supremacy. Although this can be overwhelming, there is hope in finding common ground through listening to each other and asking questions. The illusion of knowledge is one of the worst things, right? Uh, just thinking what you know, 
thinking you know the opinions, thinking you know what happens in Indigenous communities. One thing is mostly just to listen. Listen, uh, read. I know it may be difficult or it may be hard, but listening or reading and asking questions and just standing beside people, Indigenous peoples or any other people who are going through, uh, you need to be an ally with uh, or behind them instead. So a lot of times when we think we want to be activists or fighters for people in those areas, we want to stand in front of them, protect them, you know, do those kind of things for them, but instead let them be the voice of their uh, community, stand by next to them, um, support them going, you know, this person's doing right, or you should listen to my friend as compared to running forefronts uh, in front of them and then turning around saying, you know, you're welcome. I did this for you, but listening to them first, right? The only way, like an example is LGBTQ. Uh, I want to support LGBTQ people, but I don't want to be a voice for them because I'm not LGBTQ. So I'd want to listen to what their concerns are, understand what they're going through and the ways that I can support, stand next to or behind them through the things that they're going through. This, of course, will take some time and patience from all sides. That is definitely going to take some time because we're so ingrained in our beliefs that, you know, but what I'm hoping to do over the next few years is create a space where people feel welcome to come and ask questions, to come and learn about each other. And the space will have a First Nations focus. But I think one crucial thing that we all need to understand is that we're all here on this land now. There's nobody's really going to go anywhere. We're all here, you know, and we need to find some way to coexist. It's, you look at the, how Calgary has grown culturally, you know, just in the last 10 years, and you got to realize that, you know, we're, it's, it's not just Blackfoot territory anymore. Being a Blackfoot man, one of the big things that I hear, you know, is that this is Blackfoot territory, you know, and we're always, you know, we speak about the land acknowledgements, you know, and everyone has to understand that this is Blackfoot territory. Yes. I hope you do historically understand that this territory once belonged to us, but it doesn't anymore. And that's a reality I think even we as First Nations have to face as well too. This land now belongs to all of us that are here now, you know, and so we need to find a way to coexist and work together. It's not just Blackfoot here. Sutina is right there, right, you know. Stony Nakoda is right there, right, you know. All of these different experiences, all of these different knowledge, we're not the only ones here. It's not just Blackfoot territory anymore. You know, and I'm saying that as a Blackfoot man, you know, this, this, this land now should belong to all of us and we should learn how to live together on it. Finding common ground also means working together and really focusing on issues that impact us all as a collective. Well, common ground really just, it, what it comes down to, I mean, the biggest issues comes down to, uh, I mean, for the Yellow Vest people especially, the biggest issue is like workers' rights. And and like just better like better services for people on the street like that's kind of been the big like people without homes that's been that's been a big talking point for them. I don't know how genuine it is or if it's just an excuse to, like to cover their rhetoric. But you know these are people who who are trying to get by and who relied on a on an industry that's kind of that's pretty lackluster at this point in time. Um, and so I think it's a matter of just being like yeah like these but is it it's kind of like a matter of educating like well who is really at fault who is who is the one that's really causing these issues is it the government or is it the corporations that are just deciding to lay people off pocketing all of the profits and then and then walking away with with that while lots of people are without jobs and this is like the industries that they were that they went to school for that they've trained for that they've worked in for a lot of their lives right and that's 
that that's like kind of the only real um, that's the only real sentiment that I understand from them is that it's like well this is this was our our livelihood and, and now we have nothing. Some of them are too old to go back to school or, or to train or it's just they've, they've come too far and and uh, but and so it's a matter of like you know what can we what can we do to to help these people? But it's a matter of like taking the way the blame from uh, from immigration and things like that, you know, and and sort of fostering an understanding of of just like what our what our country is is at this point in time sort of built on not not what it used to be but, but sort of where we sit where we sit now um but i don't know it's hard to say i i would like because i'm kind of at the point where there these are people who are so um far down the rabbit hole that it's kind of too late for them until i think it it's it, it's not going to get better until something bad happens. But maybe the greatest advice for finding common ground is the most obvious one. That we all just need to chill out and understand each other. People need to chill a little. Chill and just um, share their stories. Because I think there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of ego that happens in, in both sort of strong um, activists, if I can call them that. Um, and I think people just need to kind of, we're all here to stay. And um, we're, immigrants aren't going anywhere, to my knowledge. And nor are, you know, white, nor is white culture. And we need to recognize that and sit down and figure out a way where we can hear one another, um, just kind of get rid of some of those fears, disrupt those fears. Because Canada is a large place. And we need to let go of that idea that Canada is this one white European culture. We've been you know working towards combating that idea since you know since canada was created um and all all that's come out of that is um oppressive regimes starting with indigenous communities and then later on with immigrant communities and now more so throughout um, increasing rates of racism and discrimination we're not getting anywhere with that idea and so i think we need to really just relax think about the ways that you know you can have your identity Astrid, on the other hand, believes understanding world politics and history will help us have a grasp of what's really going on in our society. Basically, a majority of people are living together nicely, but there is issue. I think the word politics and the war on terror recently uh, created a lot of problems. And because we all know one religion especially Islam, was exploited very much during war on terror, in one side or other side, and then those proxy wars. So those things have impact. So what we need to uh, make clear that those are political issues, there are political reasons, there are world, uh, new world order or whatsoever, or ultra, uh, what you call the economic nationalism and whatever new bad things are coming in the politics that have impact. And we will not allow those to, to come down to our community level. And on community level, we all are human, we all are Canadian, we all need to live together. That is the message uh, we need to bring with every community, with every religion. When we say my religion is good, but I am proving my point that my religion is the only good. So we, we can believe whatever we have set of belief, but we should not question others' integrity, others' honesty and others' truth. So... For as a community, we should have one Bible and that comes from the parliament.
and that is the law of the land. For the next generation, finding common ground comes from really ingraining human rights knowledge into everyday life. Ingrain education, ingrain human rights knowledge, ingrain history. You don't want history to repeat itself in a negative way. Just ingrain all of these into your everyday life, whether it's school, whether it's the books you read, whether it's the Facebook posts that you share. Just look for these things and you'll find them. We also need to be more open, more welcoming, more human. The reason why people hate is because people think that you hate them, right? Like it's that back and forth. It's a, a loop of hate and it's hard. That's the thing is like I've been, I've gone through this cycle where I've been like, if you're uh, open-hearted to someone, then they will learn, right? But then I've been open-hearted and no one has learned. And then I shut down and I'm like, okay, why do I have to give that labor up, right? So it's, it's draining, especially for minority people. And like if um, a lot of the times I find that um, these sorts of topics are being listened to and worked by minorities. Um, and that is a lot of work because we're already struggling, right? So it's, it's going to take not just education to solve it. It's going to take actual help from non-minority people, um, wherever that sits. Like, I think if we're talking as um, straight people or heterosexual people compared to the LGBTQ community or cis, cis people, we need to be the ones to help that community, right? And if there are white people in that community, they need to help um, minorities that are like ethnic, like uh, people of color, right? They need to be the ones to step in. It needs to be this this um, tag teaming effort because we're all running dry, right? I think that's the thing is we're all burning out. Um, and if we can't team together to be like, okay, how do we actually bring in more people instead of just like calling them out and being like, you're this or you're this or you're this because that's not going to do anything. We all understand it's not going to do anything. It will work in certain aspects, though. I'm not going to lie about that. I won't like ignore it. But I think if we maintain by only calling people out, nothing's going to move forward. We need to uh, start forming different ways of um, communicating with people. Um, when we hear it in our offices, our homes, we need to be able to call them in and say, hey, I've been there. Because we've all experienced, there's no way we've kind of like lived a life where it's just like I know, um, I know everything in the world. I know everything to know about like hate. I know everything to know about gender information or sexuality information. Like we have all been not knowing, but we've had someone bring us to the point of knowing. So why not be the next person to be the point of knowing, right? So it's, um, it's it, it takes temperance. It takes humility it takes um a point of swallowing your own pride um to do it it's not an easy thing that's the number one thing i tell people is that what we're trying to do in making a change is not going to be easy um it was never easy 40 years ago 50 years ago 60 years ago. it was never easy then and it's not going to be easier now just because we have more tools or technologies at the end of the day, we can only control what is within our scope and really need to keep ourselves accountable. You cannot control someone else's actions. You can only control your own. And I think the problem with identifying 
the rise of hate for the extremists is that it allows us to absolve ourselves of our own responsibility. I can't control what those folks are doing, and it's very obvious, and it's very bad. I think it's very rare to come across somebody who says, I think that's okay. I think those slurs are okay. I think, I mean, it happens, but for the most part in the circles we move in, it's much easier to vilify those people than to reflect and analyze all the ways that we're participating and, and all the ways that we're complicit in a system that perpetuates oppression against people of color. And so you can't control other people. Look at look at how you run your life. Look at where you're living. Look at where you're shopping. Look at your circle of friends. If every week you go out with people who only look like you, try to arrange a dinner once a month with people who look differently than you, who live in a different place than you. Try to ensure that your children are playing with kil- with children who are different than your children, who will have different experiences, who speak different languages, who eat different foods. And try to have some empathy for people who come from a different place. You cannot control what other people do, but if you want to have an empathetic family and 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 raise empathetic children to create a just society, there are things that you can do in your own life that expand those circles. And and I think that's really ultimately how we affect real change. As this podcast has explored, the narratives of hate and counter-hate in Alberta raise some interesting and challenging questions. To find common ground, we have to be willing to listen to each other, willing to get uncomfortable. Through this discomfort, we might get there, but along the way, it's important to listen and hear each other's voices while remembering we're all in this together. So let's try to find some common ground.